Uh, welcome to my first okay. podcast. Uh, this is uh, meant to act as a companion to the note I've just published called Rethinking the Stagflation of the 1970s. Um, I decided to do a podcast on this one because I think a lot of the ideas mentioned in the note are quite well widely known. It's just sort of organized them in a different way to generate uh, an outcome that matches up more with what we've seen over the last few years. Um, uh, that is, you know, relatively high inflation uh, in 2020 and 2021, but still very, very low interest rates. And I think if we think back and look at the transition from a gold standard to a U.S. Re reserve standard uh, and look at how that's developed, then we can maybe understand why we have such low interest rates, even with rising inflation. Um, so the first thing is to go and look back at the gold standard. And the way I think of a gold standard is it actually makes it incredibly easy for investors to judge the creditworthiness of a nation. So if, if, if gold is flowing in and gold reserves are rising, then that nation is becoming more credit worthy. And conversely, if gold is flowing out, uh, that implies that nation is becoming less credit worthy. And so what we saw was, you know, during, because of the two world wars, in particular, US saw huge inflows of gold. And then as Europe and Japan rebuilt in the 50s and 60s, those gold flows began to reverse. And so the U.S. Uh, financial system came under pressure as gold was leaving, and that pressure manifested in higher interest rates. Uh, so the gold gold standard is a very simple system. You know, you need the gold uh, to make your financial system work. And so if gold is leaving, you'll need higher interest rates to try and attract that in. Uh, and that is what we saw in the 60s and 70s. Now, in the early 70s, Nixon decided that this was uh, – too much of a restraint on economic growth in the states and decided to leave the gold standard. Now, what happened then is exactly what the gold standard would predict is countries like Germany, Switzerland, Japan, uh, Netherlands, who all had had rising gold uh, reserves then saw their currencies appreciate against the dollar quite substantially. And I think this is where it gets interesting is I think by the time we got to the late 70s, uh, and we'd really seen Kissinger convince the uh, OPEC nations to, to recycle their current account surpluses into treasuries, I think most of the nations in the world realize that um, allowing the US dollar to weaken substantially and have much higher interest rates was actually self, it was not a good policy. Uh, particularly if you think back to that period where we had a Cold War and military confrontation, you know, allies, you know, weakening economically their strongest military ally just doesn't make any sense. And so we transitioned from the gold standard to one that uses U.S. treasuries as a cornerstone for reserves. Um, and this has huge benefits for the U.S. in that uh, it meant that theoretically the U.S. can never default no matter what it does. It can always just produce more treasuries to buy whatever it wants. Um, I think that is pretty obvious and well understood. I think what's less understood is that um, for exporting nations, the US and the US dollar became too big to fail. And so it became very difficult for most nations, particularly when growth starts to slow, domestic growth starts to slow, makes it very difficult for most nations to accept the weaker dollar that current US economic policy and you know, ongoing economic policy in the States would, would normally lead you to believe would be the natural outcome. And so what that's led to, and Japan was a lead in this after its bubble economy burst, is buying of U.S. treasuries, 
extensive buying of US treasuries to keep the dollar strong and keep the US growth strong. Um, that is, you know, the big exporting nations recycling their, their surpluses back into US credit. And where we are now is that Europe has joined Japan uh, in you know buying you know lots of foreign reserves and and using negative interest rates to to offset or to sort of counter this too big to fail status of the U.S. economy and the U.S. dollar. And what you can see is that continues to manifest even with relatively high inflation now. And so from that respect, the current economic environment where we live in. Uh, of ultra low interest rates, um, continuing central bank intervention, and very high asset prices could continue into continue for the foreseeable future, until at some point uh, we move away from a U.S. centric reserve uh, foreign reserve system. Now, where it gets interesting is that I can see signs of that already beginning to happen. Now, whether that's going to take hold and become the new system. Uh, that is very still debatable, uh, and I will look at the issues of that in a future future uh, post and probably post uh, podcast. But where we are now is that unless something changes, the current system and the current market conditions we see are, are likely to continue. And uh, there are some changes happening. Uh, the question is how far they are and how they've really developed and whether they continue. Like I said, I'll deal with that with my next podcast. Anyway, I believe the human mind can only concentrate for about five to six minutes before it loses focus. So with this podcast coming up at six minutes, I think this is a nice place to stop. Thank you for your time.